Hello and welcome to Light Body Radio. I am your host, Dr. Lara May. I am a clinical pharmacist, Reiki master, and intuitive integrative health coach. As a health coach, I provide a safe, supportive process for aligning your dreams with your intentions. I will guide you to take small right action toward reaching your goals every week. Let's turn your vision into your reality today. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Light Body Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lara May. Today, I want to cover the coconut oil controversy and then go over what the difference is between paleo and keto style of eating. So uh, the first point of the coconut oil controversy, I don't know if you saw recently that in social media, um, it's been coming up again, like is coconut oil good? Is it bad? Um, What's the deal there? So the reason this has come back around as a point of discussion is because a Harvard professor and a and the director of a department at the University of Freiburg gave a 50 minute lecture entitled coconut oil and other nutritional errors. And in this lecture, she said that coconut oil is pure poison. And it is one of the most uh, one of the worst foods you can eat. And she claimed that it is more dangerous because it contains exclusively saturated fatty acids. She also claimed that superfoods are ineffective because the nutrients in superfoods are just as easily accessible in other foods. And she referenced just um, our uh, run-of-the-mill fruits and vegetables that we're able to get our hands on. So I want to go over some of this. Um, and the first thing I feel like I need to point out is that the American Heart Association and the FDA, which um, is what she is essentially arguing the side of um, is funded by big pharma. So this is the exact same industry that suppressed the studies back in the 60s that actually showed that sugar was the culprit for heart disease and death um, and not saturated fat. So um, if you don't remember that, that was a big revelation probably about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, It finally came to light that back in the 50s and 60s, when they were looking at all of the the nutritional information and trying to come up with national guidelines, they uh, suppressed all but four studies to build their national guidelines over on. And so I think that um, speaks volumes for the types of... um, information and the type of organizations that has been telling us what to eat for the past over 30 years. And look where it's gotten us. Is heart disease any more prevalent, any less prevalent than it was then? No. And we have a country and an entire um, Western medicine just totally geared towards pharmaceuticals and statin drugs to treat um, high cholesterol and heart disease. And statins are not a, you know, benign placebo pill. They have some very severe side effects, one of which is making you more likely to get diabetes and more likely to have um, dementia and cognitive dysfunction. So um, I definitely think that um, even though the American Heart Association is 
trumpeting and trying to be an advocate, they're not doing a very good job, in my personal opinion, because uh, last year they updated their dietary guidelines. But essentially, all they stated was that they still recommend avoiding saturated fat, and they still recommend us eating processed vegetable oils instead, which we know now these processed vegetable oils are really high in omega-6s that are really inflammatory. Omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, omega-6s are inflammatory. And while our body needs some omega-6, most Americans get far more omega-6s through eating processed food and fast food and using canola oil and these other vegetables while they're cooking. And it causes a lot of inflammation and therefore disease in the body. So um, I wanted to find some really good science-backed information for you to counter her argument. And so I went to Dave Asprey's blog. He is the author of The Bulletproof Diet. And um, he also pointed out in his article where he um, sort of picks this apart is that the same person that's now running the marketing campaign for the American Heart Association was in the past running the marketing campaigns for KFC and other fast food companies. So what does that tell you about where this information is coming from and how valid it is and how much we should trust it? And that's really sad because these are our governing bodies uh, from the Western side of things. And, you know, I feel like there should be, a, we should be able to trust them, but it just seems like more and more that they are bought and paid for by big companies out to make a profit, and they don't have the best interest of the public and their patients at heart. So... Um, I also think that they probably think they have too much to lose now to change their mind, which re is really interesting if you think about it. Like, shouldn't we always as scientists and just as consumers be questioning, you know, what's how science changes things and research changes things? You know, they didn't always think that the Earth was round and that gravity existed. But lo and behold, the Earth is not flat and gravity does exist, and look how that changed the outlook and the course of history from, from then on. So I don't think it is out of the question that some of our um, leading research bodies and um, and these organizations that put out these guidelines that we as medical professionals and then you as patients generally are encouraged to abide by, that a little change of heart and a little extra research and admitting when you're wrong, I don't think that's such a bad thing. So if anyone from the AHA is actually listening to this, then I encourage you to actually look at all of the science, not just the science that was cherry picked, and really come up with some guidelines that are common sense and not actually damaging and hurting to our public, which I think these are, by still encouraging us to eat processed vegetable oils. It's just so bad. So um, there was some other research that came out. Um, there was a group of scientists that actually went back and looked at all of the research that was excluded uh, back in the 60s. And they actually found that for every 30 point reduction in cholesterol came with a 22% increase in mortality. So that data shows that lowering your cholesterol can actually increase your risk for death in this data that they were looking at. So another 
So the problem with vegetable oils, they are polyunsaturated fatty acids. And really, they don't protect the heart like the AHA claims. It actually increases your risk of death from cardiovascular causes and other causes because they cause inflammation in the body when they are in excess. And that's the problem within our main population now is that they are in excess. So in 2017, a landmark systematic review and meta-analysis uh, from the British Medical Journal found no association between saturated fatty acids or saturated fat and cardiovascular de disease, death from stroke, or type 2 diabetes in healthy adults. So this concept of dietary fat clogging your arteries is just plain wrong, but yet it's the drum that the Western medicine um, culture still continues to beat. And so there are many kinds of saturated fats out there and some can be harmful. So it's important to know exactly what you're eating and exactly what you're putting in your body. So um, processed vegetable oils, like I've said before, are inflammatory and damaging. And again, this is what the AHA, AHA recommends that you um, consume. They are highly processed. They're usually glyphosate laden because they are sprayed with all sorts of chemicals when they're growing. And um, so these kind of oils are, for example, canola oil and rapeseed oil. But why? Why are they so bad? How do they cause the inflammation? And the main reason, again, comes down to a little bit of chemistry. They're unstable and easily oxidized. And so um, oxidized oils actually damage your DNA and cause inflammation at the cellular level. Inflammation that, by the way, can't be undone once it's done. You just have to wait for your body to make new cells. And your body can heal from it. So I don't want don't want you to hear me say that your body is irreversible damage. But the once the cells are damaged, you have to wait for those cells to die and your body to produce new cells for um, for the healing to take place. And so like I said before, they're grown with pesticides, they're spray and then they're processed with solvents. And so your body ingests all that too with when you use these oils. So what do you eat? What should you eat? And to me, this is where olive oil comes in and avocado oil comes into the picture and ghee comes in, really good quality um, butter, but also coconut oil. And so now I want to explain a little bit about what coconut oil is. So coconut oil contains many different strains of beneficial fats that can help with both the gut and your brain function and to help you lose weight, among some other things. But there are some problems with too much coconut oil. So I don't want you to start just like eating it by the spoonfuls, which sounds kind of gross anyway. So you, I would trust that you're probably not going to do that. But um, so the good fats in coconut oil are called the medium chain triglycerides or MCTs. And some MCTs cause you to burn fat and speed up your metabolism and even block the harmful effects of gut toxin. And other MCTs do the opposite. And so that's why it's bad to eat too much coconut oil because the coconut oil encompasses all of these, both good and bad. And so that's why also if you read 
Dave Asprey's book. And if you look into the Bulletproof brand, he has been able to come up with what he calls his brain octane oil, which is a very specific component of coconut oil. And I'm not going to go into that either today, but if you're interested, the information's out there. And I actually have a link to um, the article where he breaks all this down in the show notes. So if you're interested, definitely check that out if you want to investigate more of his specific products. But um, what else? So the available data say and show that we should eat some coconut oil, medium train triglycerides, are beneficial, but it's the lauric acid and um, the palm oils that some coconut oils are processed with that you want to stay away from. So again, being really cognizant about where you're getting your coconut oil. It should be organic, it should be unrefined, and it should say not processed. And um, it'll probably say extra virgin on there, and but usually that means not processed. So um, make sure that it's a good product. If you want more information from trusted sources out there, um, there are plenty of medical doctors that are not bought and paid for by Big Pharma and the AHA and the FDA. And so um, these are the people that I get my information from because I trust it. I know it's backed by good science and I know these are um, educated providers. So one of them is Dr. Mark Hyman. Dr. Joseph Merkula, Dr. David Perlmutter. Those are the three that um, I really like and I feel like they put out some really good information. They're all very readily available to find on social media and they all have their own books. So I will let you explore those at your will. So I hope that cleared up a little bit about this coconut oil controversy. It essentially comes down to the woman that gave the talk is still beating the drum of the Western medicine, FDA, AHA, big pharma sponsored bad science. And we have science that supports a totally alternative opinion. And really it comes down to what works well with your body and knowing that you're not gonna keel over and die by eating saturated fats. But if you continue to eat the processed vegetable oils, it is likely that it will increase your risk for death from cardiovascular causes, diabetes, stroke, and many other things. So with that nice little summary, I will move on and we're going to talk a little bit about paleo and keto. And let's see. So we'll start with paleo because I feel like that's the one that most people are probably most familiar with. And of course, this is a style of eating based on um, what humans ate in the Paleolithic era, hence the name. And so um, scientists were really looking at the this group of humans and noticing that even though there was no such thing as modern medicine way back then, they were really healthy people. And so they really wanted to come up with a style of eating that mimicked that in an effort to help modern day humans uh, be on a healthier path. And so they came up with the paleolithic diet or the paleo diet, whatever, however you want to call it. So what is included and what is excluded? So it's okay to eat on the paleo diet, 
Um, certain fruits and vegetables, lean meats, seafood, certain nuts and seeds, and healthy fats. And you want to avoid dairy, grains, processed food and sugars, legumes, starches, and alcohol. So the paleo diet is a is a low-carb style of eating. It is different than Atkins, and um, I won't go into the specifics on that, but just know that it is different. And it is different than paleo because paleo gets, I'm sorry, keto because keto is very specific. So with the paleo diet though, you can, you do have a lot of freedom um, and to, you know, be really creative with your foods and tinker around with your own personal macros and what you find uh, works best for you. And since I brought up the subject of macros, I feel like this is a good time to um, steer you towards a, a macro calculator. If you've never um, figured out what your macros are, and, and I'm sorry, your macros means your macronutrients, so your carbs, protein, and fat consumption um, over your total daily consumption of food. So that's what you are, our macros, those are our macronutrients, and um even though if we don't know our numbers, we're still consuming them every day. So if you are trying to lose weight, then I would definitely encourage you to um, figure out where you are and where you need to be in order to be successful at whatever your goals are. But even if you don't want to lose weight and you just want to explore the ketogenic diet, it pretty much Mm, it's not a must do, but it's very strongly encouraged to also do um, to do macros because uh, with the keto diet, it is very low carb and higher in fat and moderate protein. And it gets a lot more specific into the ratios. So what we're talking about here is anywhere from zero to 50 grams of carbohydrates per day, which is very low. I mean, if you've ever tried to keep track of your macros and try to do less than 50 carbs of sugar a day, even healthy ones from fruits and vegetables, it can be a challenge. So um, that's why it's helpful to sort of have these macros as um, guidelines and, and um, points of reference is the words I'm looking for. And so, um, and then the, then you have about 70 to 80% of your calories from fat and then the rest from protein. And so there's been, um, so I'm just going to go through this. It's okay to eat meat, vegetables, eggs. Um, again, non-starchy vegetables, healthy fats and oils, nuts and seeds. And on keto, you can have full fat dairy. So there's there's a difference there. On paleo, no dairy whatsoever. On keto, it's, if your system tolerates it, a lot of people don't tolerate dairy. Um, and I'm one of those people. So uh, dairy may or may not be an option for you on keto. And then again, you want to avoid all grains, processed foods, starchy vegetables, and really high sugar fruit, legumes, sugar itself, and alcohol. So what are the benefits of going keto? If you've been a paleo eater, why would you want to do keto? Well, maybe um, you have some specific weight loss or fitness goals and you found yourself plateauing. So changing it up a little bit with keto might be the perfect solution to get you out of that plateau. So when you're on keto, you're going to burn stored body fat because even though you're eating a lot of fat, 
it's the sugar component, it's the carb component. And because you're eating so few of those, you're going to go through your stored body fat. You're going to have more consistent energy throughout the day. You're going to have improved blood lipids. And I was actually just talking about this with a colleague. While at the beginning, because of your increased um, fat intake, you might see a transient increase in your lipids if you're monitoring them. Overall, what you should see is a plateau with that. So it might increase a little and then hopefully plateau. If you're monitoring and you see a consistent increase, then you might want to think about, oh, maybe this keto thing is not for me because your body might not be um, metabolizing this increased fat the way we expect it to. So that is something to keep in mind and to definitely monitor with um, some sort of medical practitioner, whoever that is for you. You will have a more stable blood sugar. You'll, um, by effect, have decreased inflammation. Yay. You'll have a decreased disease potential because of that. Yay. You'll have improved sleep. You won't be as hungry all the time. Your brain function will be at a much higher level. So you'll be more alert. You'll be more with it. You'll have decreased brain fog. And did I say frog or fog? It's fog. (laughs) And um, it'll increase the functioning of your mitochondria, which increases the energy that you have throughout the day. So there's lots of benefits. So what does all of this mean anyway? Regardless of your dietary approach, whether you choose to do paleo, keto, maybe you're vegan or vegetarian, your number one focus should always be to eat whole and processed foods with trying to get as much nutrient density into each meal as possible. So um, there's lots of information out there. I encourage you to look at um, different authors and different uh, practitioners and different experts and try different things to see what you like, to see what resonates with you, to see see what helps you feel your best. Because that's really the whole point of all of this, right? Is to feel and look our best as much as we can. And keto and paleo are both powerful forms of eating. And they are both tools that are used to reach specific goals and needs. So there, again, there's no one size fits all solution. And I don't want you to think by any means that, oh, she says these are the best ways, so this is what I should do. Maybe not. (laughs) Each person is very unique and has their own individual metabolisms and health issues and um, ins and outs. So I definitely want you to do your own research. Again, always be questioning the information that you absorb out there, whether it's from, you know, your Western medicine um, bodies like the FDA or the AHA, or whether it's from your more functional medicine and integrative nutrition practitioners like me or Dave Asprey or Rob Wolf or Mark Hyman, um, whoever it is. So I hope this episode was helpful for you. I It was pretty quick. I hope you got um, some good information from it. If you have more questions after listening to this, I would love to hear about them. So you can put them in the comments on the show notes page, or you can shoot me an email or find me on social media on social media. I'm at Dr. Lara May. That's D-R-L-A-R-A-M-A-Y. This podcast is broadcast on Stitcher, 
uh, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and Anchor. So I am pretty much out there everywhere. And if you have more wishes and wants for future episodes, please let me know what those are too. I love providing the information that you want to know and learn about. So I hope you have a fantabulous day and I will see you on the flip side.